this computer. Bang. All right. Ready All right. Or, or, or ready whenever you are, my man. We're ready. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Hank Azell, and I'm on the line with my good friend, Daniel Ritchie. Uh, Daniel Ritchie and I have been friends since 2000. Four? Yeah, man. Yeah. So it's it's been about sixteen years now. So we're we're we we've known each other almost half of our lives. It's crazy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> our we our friendship could drive a car. Yeah, so. literally, literally. I mean, we just got our license. We're running off the road a little, clipping mailboxes, but we're Woo! you know we're figuring it out. Man. Um. Well, just in an effort to try and um, provide you guys with some blessing and content in this uh crazy time i just reached out to daniel um a couple of days ago to try and set up just a little bit of time for us to to chat together and um kind of first and foremost uh just tell us a little bit about yourself daniel and um kind of where you came from and how you're where you're at now yeah um so these days well i'm I, i'm normally a uh a, a traveling speaker and uh and so i'm not traveling or speaking uh these days thanks to the 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 coronavirus and so um these days i'm a i'm a professional dad uh, at least until uh till we're not quarantined um i've got a, a an awesome wife named heather and we'll be married 14 years uh this summer and then we have two little kiddos seven-year-old boy named Teague who will actually be eight in a, in a couple weeks. So he gets a, he gets a quarantine birthday. That'll be fun. And, uh, and then a four-year-old little girl named Elliot. And then we have a 130 pound Great Dane, um, that the kids ride around <laughs> like a little, also a little pony. So that's, uh, that's fun. Uh, so we're all locked in the same house, uh, nowadays. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's chaos, but it's, it's beautiful. And, um, and you know, I'll, I'll even say this. It's, it's funny that uh, last year I was gone a bunch and just yeah. praying, God, help me to spend time, more time with my family. And lo and behold, what does God in his grace do? Here you go, buddy. Be careful. What you pray for. <laughs> lots of time. Yes. Lots yes. So, so yeah, we're getting, we're getting in lots of, lots of walks, lots of uh, trampoline time for sure. But it's been, it's been a sweet time, a, a new normal, I think in some ways. So those of us who are watching this might go, wait a second, there's something different about you. What is it that's different about you that the Lord has decided to bless you with? I mean, the Lord has blessed me with a very glorious beard and, uh, and man, especially, especially in these, uh, these zoom calls, it, uh, it, it looks bushier than ever. Um, and then, uh, the best part about zoom calls is normally you can't really notice like you have to you have to squint and go man that boy's got some skinny arms and uh and some some narrow shoulders uh and, and then people people start to start to do the the two plus two and realize hey he's he's missing something and um and, and so uh you know i was i was born without arms and um yeah so it's it, that's all i've ever known i think physically um and, and so there there's just been a level of of adaptation where it's just like I mean, much like we've all had to adapt to what the new normal is these days uh, in terms of social distancing. Um, this is this is just all I've ever known. There, there's been no true level of having something and then losing it. And, and so physically, I've always known 
um, life without arms and having to do things with my feet. And, um, and so God really graciously, um, I think he's allowed me to, to be able to, um, just use my feet as my, uh, hands, I guess, as you guys would use your hands and man, that, that runs the range of, uh, these days, you know, weed eating, mowing the lawn, uh, making mac and cheese for the kids. Uh, Oh yeah. CrossFit. Yeah. I've got to, got to stay not fat as, as much as I can. So, um, so, so physically there, there hadn't been a whole lot of issues, I, I think as, as I look back over my life, but I think like literally the, the first few moments of my life are, are the nutshell of, of what I've pushed up against my whole life. Cause like when I was born, nobody knew that I ha- didn't have arms, you know, mom had a healthy pregnancy. She had two ultrasounds, and so the expectation was that I was going to be a healthy baby boy. And so nobody knew anything was wrong literally until the moment I was born and the doctors holding this armless baby boy there in the delivery room that day. And then not only am I armless, but in that moment I wasn't breathing or moving and, uh, and the doctor tries to find a pulse and he can't really find a pulse. And so, he just really quickly turns to my dad and he holds me up so dad can see me. And, um, and then he just asked my dad, Hey, do you want us to let him go? And, and I think the, the whole assumption there is you look at a kid like me and it's like, what, what shot does he have? You know, we, we think of all the things we do with our hands and the doctor's sitting there going, he has no shot. So, so why bother? And, and I mean, by God's grace, my dad's like, no, that's, that's my son. You do whatever it is you can to revive me. And, you know, a matter of minutes later, the, the doctors bring me back into to the room. But that moment, it just single-handedly points to the fact that I'm, I'm just different. I don't, I don't meet the expectations of a, of a lot of people in terms of, you know, what a fully functioning adult male looks like. And, and so I get treated like that. And, and so there's been a lot of insecurity um, coming up through the years of just being different, of standing out um, and uh, trusting, trusting in and resting in Christ um, as a 15 year old boy. That's what changed my life is, is to not have an identity bound up in people's opinions of me, um, but to have a hope and a security and an identity um, completely wrapped up in the perfect finished work of Christ on the cross and Christ resurrected. And so um, that, that flipped all of that insecurity, all that hurt on its head. And man, gave me, gave me the hope that now I, I get the opportunity to, uh, to share with people whenever I get the chance. Man, it's awesome. I've just, I've loved being with you over the years and, uh, you, I mean, we can't talk about all the stories, but I mean, you played <laughs> football yep, uh, yep. and you drive a car. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just awesome. I just love the love spending, you know, we got to spend uh, weeks together at camp at Snowbird Outfitters. And so um, it was just really fun to, to see you just roll, man. You like, <laughs> it's not a big deal. You just made it happen. That's one of, I know your folks a little bit, not very well, but I just love the fact that your dad was very early on. He was like, well, we're not doing the prosthetic arms thing. Figure it out, boy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just figured it out. So 
yeah, almost everything's in play. You weed eat, you exercise, you wash dishes, you change diapers. It's true. For sure. It's you true, do. man. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. No, and and that's the hard part about uh, having a wife that don't take no crap. Like I don't, I don't get to play the, uh, I don't get to play the armless card with Heather. Like she, she knows what I can do, and so it's like, oh no, no, you're not, you're not pulling that junk with me. You, you go change baby diapers, or you go walk the dog, or you go scoop the yard. So it's like I don't, I don't get to get away with anything. So it's every, everything's on the table these days. That's for sure. That's fantastic. Well, man, I'd love for you to talk about your book just a little bit. I've seen it kind of come across the social media platforms last year, but just kind of talk about why you wrote it, where it came from, and then, yeah, just talk about that a smidge. Yeah, so so it's this little guy. Uh, it's called My Affliction for His Glory. He wrote it um, almost, almost two years ago now. Well, I guess it, it technically came out two years ago, and so... Um, Total honesty, never thought I'd be an author until like my 60s. I, I figured that would be like a, a, a fun riding off into the sunset, riding off into retirement. I'll, I'll finally find the time to do it. And um, man, it just became something that, that when I started writing it, at the time I was still a, a student pastor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I could just see like with my students, there was so much struggle and issue with identity and and you know just like I talked about man finding my identity in Christ and and my hope in Christ was was probably one of the most fundamentally important um I think moments and and really moments of surrender in my life to to stop trying to like build my own kingdom and uh and trust in Christ and so um I I, I was like man I want my students to know this identity that I have. And so I just started writing it out of that. And, um, and I, I passed it off to a couple people just to see what they thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a couple guys were like, man, you should really publish this. Cause my thought was, I was just going to keep it in house. I was just going to keep it for my students. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so tossed out to a couple publishers and they're like, Hey man, run, run with this and, and, and see what, what happens. And so really, um, the book is just the overflow of my life. I think each, each chapter is like a, a critical point in my life along the way. And so it'll, you know, uh, chapter one is, is honestly those first moments there in the delivery room. Um, you know, some of the other chapters is just growing up, trying to figure out how to, how to do things with your feet in a world made for hands. Um, you know, other chapters are, uh, you know, starting in ministry, uh, meeting my wife and getting married, having kids, um, just the call for us as uh, believers to make disciples. Um, and so all of it, probably the first half of each chapter is just a little bit in getting, giving you guys a glimpse into my life and, and what God has taught me. And then really the second half of the book is so what does God say about this? And so uh, it's, it's almost like reading a sermon uh, a, a little bit in, in, in a lot of ways, but there's just some, uh, some armless illustrations uh, sprinkled, sprinkled all throughout the chapters. But it's just, um, I think at the end of the day, knowing and understanding that, that in all things that God has stewarded us and given us a life that, that we can use to glorify him. And it doesn't come with an asterisk or a caveat. It's just, he's made us all as image bearers to, to declare his glory in all the world. And so I think the, it's, it's the encouragement, I think for us to take that life and to make it about him and not about us. Yeah. Amen. 
Well, um, I've just really enjoyed anyway, following you along on Instagram and just seeing your, your, you know, just the way you speak into like, well, God is good. I don't have mm. arms, but we all, <laughs> you know, we all need lots mm. <laughs> and my neediness, uh, the no arms thing is just the beginning of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um, And so as we think about um, this time, you know, everybody's kind of been shut down for at least this is starting the third week or maybe, I don't know, maybe four, depending on who you are and where you live, but um, just what are some things that um, our students, but people in general, I mean, we're all, pretty much locked in here what are some ways that um that we can grow in our faith in this time of stillness Mm, i mean that's a that's a that's a good challenge good question um i think you know first and foremost um i i I think the critical thing that we have to do and and it happens in times of like anxiety or fear or suffering is our tendency is always to see what's going wrong or what we don't have. Like we want to, we want to focus on all the stuff that's not the ideal. And, um, and, and, and all of that, all that does is just, it feeds into panic. It feeds into the deepening of fear. And, and I think it's, it's the knowing and understanding. Um, like Paul says to Timothy, God has not given us that spirit of fear, but one of power and a love and sound mind. And so, I think it's important for us to know that in this time, it's not a sin to fear. And, and, and I know that that might seem crazy, but it's like, we're all prone to it. We're all prone to fear and doubt. Um, but I think it's when that fear starts to dictate everything about us that we have a problem. And so I, I think for us to not just almost with blinders on stare into the face of fear and stare into the face of, of want or what we don't have, but to reflect on what has God in his grace kindly given me in this time. And I think for a lot of us, we'll probably almost to a person say that before this all started three weeks ago, that the one thing I didn't have enough of was time, that that I was too busy, there was no margin, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And now, we have yeah, nothing yeah. but it, you know? And, and, yeah. and so I, I think for us, it, it is to, to take advantage of that stillness and to, um, I think, to self-reflect in, in a lot of ways because stillness does like, stillness does a lot of things, but I think in, in, in my own heart, like in this time, um, stillness, I think it, it reveals um, the magnitude of, of the issues in my life you know, cause it's like a lot of times we're so busy that we don't see that we don't even take the time to look at really how bad either our struggles or insecurities or our pet sins really are. And when we don't have stuff to occupy our time and we start to reflect, that's, that's when the nerves start to kick in. Cause we're like, Oh, this is not what I chose, or this is not how I saw things going according to my plan. But what it also does is in this time, it also reveals the magnitude of our savior mm-hmm. and that yeah. he's, he, he's not thrown off by anything that, that the coronavirus has, has revealed in, in, uh, in this time. Like he's not 
tripped up by it, but he's also not tripped up by all the skeletons in your closet. You know, he's, he's not going, man, I didn't know Daniel was that screwed up. I didn't know like he was chasing after all of these idols and functional saviors in his life. Like he knows. And, and yet he still chooses to say, you know, in, in Romans chapter eight, there's, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing, like he says at the end of Romans eight, there's nothing that's going to separate you from my love. And so I think it's in, in these times when we just want to be paranoid and insecure and fearful is to know that, that God is still steady. He's still with us. He's not leaving us and he's still working. And I think it's, it's to trust that promise even when we can't see it. I mean, to th- you know, I also think of the stillness of the intertestamental period in between like the Old Testament, yeah. New Testament, there's 400 years of silence in between, you know, what we see in, in a baby being born in a manger and, and the words of the last minor prophets. Same deal with Jesus is crucified. And then at least for somewhere between 28 to 36 hours, there's nothing but silence as Jesus sits in the tomb before he's resurrected mm-hmm. in both of those times, did God stop working? No, it's just, we didn't have the evidence. We didn't have the physical or tangible evidence of it, but God in his grace was still at work and still on the move. And so I think that for us, even in this silence, we have to look to that right now and trust in that knowing that God has promised he's not far off. He's with us. He's present and he's working. And I think it's just to trust that promise and that, weeks and months from now we'll be able to look back and to see god's fingerprints working in our lives even in these moments man you you segue beautifully there so maybe in a in a step of faith it's just something to be hopeful about it you know as just as we think about maybe august 1st or even even christmas time next christmas just what are a couple of things that we can we can set in place now so that we can be uh, more holy, more mm. sanctified uh, down the road as we grow, and even our you know as our students, some of our students uh, aren't going to get to walk, and that's mm. really sad. Yeah, um, but some of our students will come back, and and um, so how do we think forward a little bit about this? Man, um, you know, I, I think one of the one of the things again, like like we had mentioned, we've probably for many of us we've been praying for margin for weeks or months or years, and now we got it. Um, and, and so I think one of the most important things that we can do with this new grace that that we have in, in just nothing but a, a, a ton of time. Um, I think is to self-reflect. And again, like as, as we're talking, man, I wish there was nothing but time. Well, are, are there other things in our, in our lives where we wish we could do differently? Because what God, I think, is kindly and sovereignly giving a lot of us, whether we're talking about individuals or the church as a whole, God's given us, I think, a very kind grace in a reset button. Like we do get the get the time to assess either the the joys of the past few months or the rubble of the last few months and and to see okay what what's going well what's going wrong how do i remedy this like especially when i get back into the rhythms of life and i think it's to 
to set chart a course uh, of action now. Um, you know, whether that's, I want to be, I want to be a person that's in the word more, or I want to be a more present friend. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. I want to be a person on mission. Well, what can you do? What can you plan to set in place now that when life actually gets back to normal, it's not just like a wave that washes over you and there's no evidence of change in, in, the, in the effects of, of what we do as we step into a new world. And so I think one of the most faithful things we can do is to assess, to prayerfully seek God's face and to go, God, all right, how do I bring you glory in, in the midst of almost like this Daniel 2.0 or this Hank 2.0, it's like, I've got a new life and a new opportunity um, as I step into what's, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's going to be a new world. Like it's not, things are not going to be like they were right. when, whenever we, we jump <laughs> back into the normal rhythms of life. Yeah. And so I think it's, how do I embrace that newness and walk in maybe some of these things that God has burdened me with? for the weeks and months leading up and how do I actionably walk in it now? Oh, love that, man. I just, yeah, it does feel like it's going to be quite a reset. Like Mm. I don't know what's going to be different, but things will be very different. And, and even in the next, I feel like every week, every couple of days, it, it just, drastically changes and so Mm. man I just love that thought of um as you think forward man how do I really set in place some stuff to be a disciple maker and hey you may already be doing that and this is a time of mourning right Uh, I think I've I think I've mourned these past couple of weeks sometimes well sometimes not as well (laughs) (laughs) uh because we were i mean we're about to do spring break and we're about to you know do summer mission where students go and all over the world and serve and grow and change and be in community and all that stuff is done none right right and so maybe even talk just a minute about what is how do we mourn well but you're like in truth there is real mourning. People have lost friends and that will continue to happen. Friends and family for sure. And so how do we, how do we mourn? Well, yeah, man. How do you, what are we mourning? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I was, uh, so my wife and I, we do, we do a podcast and, and I was interviewing a good buddy of mine. Who's a, who's a pastor in the Dallas area. And um, his, his name's Mason King. And, and he just, I mean, he simply told me in, in, in our interview a couple of weeks ago that the, the church has lost just the ability to lament. Like we don't, we don't cry. We don't, we don't mourn. Like we, we, we've adopted this spirit in the modern American church. Where we're all all right. Like we're all okay you know, to think of those days when we actually could go to church and, uh, you know, you, you'd walk in the doors um, and you'd see all the people that you haven't seen in a week. It's, hey, brother, how are you? Good to see you. And then it's almost always, how's, how's it going? How you doing? And almost to a man will always say, oh, I'm good. Great. I'm fine. Every, everything's great. We're, we're all great. And it's like at home, uh, you know, the house is on fire. The kids are trying to murder each other. Nothing's going right. It's uh, our, our lives are soaked in 
fear and shame and insecurity, but we don't want to own up to it. And, um, and, and so I think that we've adopted this, this unhealthy spirit in the church that, that doesn't lament like our sin, our mm-hmm. brokenness, the brokenness of the world. Um, and I think in this time, like it's, it's okay. And I mean, like I talked about earlier, it's okay to have fear. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to sit here and to not know what's next. It's okay to, you know, to think that in May, I'm not going to be able to walk across that stage and, and get my diploma. This sucks, God. That, that was something I was looking forward to. It's okay to cry because God's promise is not that he's going to shut you up. God's promise is that he will weep with you. And that's, that's his call for his church is to weep with those who weep. It is to rejoice with those who rejoice. Like I I think for us is to not feel guilt and shame because we we're missing something because we're hurting because we're looking around and seeing this brokenness all across the planet like that. We should be broken over that. We should lament and and we should uh, cry and weep but that should also produce action. Like it shouldn't just be, oh man, poor me, this sucks. That should prompt a, so now what? Now that I realize this is not as it should be, well, what can I do to point people back to the one who's going to restore all things? Because the only way that it's getting back to the way it should be is when Jesus comes again. Like when he comes and restores all things unto himself, that's when the tears stop. That's when the brokenness stops. Like this has been, this has been like a forward pointing arrow since Genesis three and the fall of man. And it stops when Jesus comes back and not until then. And so I think it's, it's to lament and to cry and to realize this, this isn't the way it was when God formed Adam and Eve, but it was the way that things became when Adam and Eve chose their own way. And, and creation has suffered underneath that groaning ever since. And so for, for us, weep and cry, but then allow that to produce a response or an action in your heart um, somewhere down the line. So don't feel guilty about crying, but mm-hmm. allow that to, to produce in you a, an action or, or a moment that, that's going to push you towards something that, that honors God. Mm. Mm. You got me in the feels right there. Mm. <laughs> well, if, uh, I, I, hey man, I'm preaching to myself too. I'm preaching to myself. So, cause I mean, I mean, same deal, you know, Heather and I, we have, we've weeped and, and, and we've cried in this season. Cause it's like, you know, I'm like, I've joked, I'm a, I'm a professional speaker. And, um, and so literally, I mean, it's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% of my income for March and April has gone. And so it's like, all right, God, um, what do we do now? How do I, how how do I not sit here paralyzed in fear, God? How do I not freak out? And so, um, there has been some weeping. There has been a, God, things are going so well. Um, you know, how, what's up with this? There, there's been a lot of moments of hurt and insecurity, but I think it's, much like we've talked about to reflect on, well, God has answered my prayers have given me time with my family. God has given me margin that I haven't had for two years. Um, God has been very kind in answering my prayer. Um, 
sometimes just the means by which he answers our prayers, not the means we choose. And, um, and so I, I totally understand, but I'm trying to use this time to um, shepherd my kids, to love my wife, to um, find new opportunities and, and new channels to, to serve the church once things maybe kind of sort of get back to normal. Um, but until then, I'm going to weep and trust and celebrate, I think, all at the same time. Man, thanks. Those were great words. We are grateful for our time together. So, um, Daniel Ritchie, I appreciate your time, and um, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, man. Love you, brother. Thanks for having me. Love you. See ya. Later, man.